plan out your strategy, but do it with a pencil and not a pen, right? Just know that that things aren't necessarily going to stop changing, but it doesn't mean that you have to you, you have to strategize. Just hold those plans loosely and do it with a pencil and start executing. From Virtuous, I'm Noah Barnett, and this is the Responsive Fundraising Podcast, a show where we talk with fundraising leaders and thinkers to uncover how today's top nonprofits craft remarkable donor experiences and build lasting relationships at scale. On this episode, Hillary Sutton and Gabe Cooper, our CEO and founder here at Virtuous, have a conversation around the future of fundraising and how the happenings of 2020 have fundamentally uplifted strategies, stretch systems, and really strained our generosity ecosystem. But even through those constraints, we've seen creative execution and the power of generosity and its resilience. And so Gabe and Hillary sit down to talk about through 2020, how is that influencing and impacting how 2021 is really shaping up? And what does the future of fundraising hold? It's a brilliant conversation and I was grateful that I just got to listen in this time around. So let's dive in and listen to Hillary and Gabe's conversation about the future of fundraising. Gabe, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Always, always. So, so much has happened this year that has had a huge impact on nonprofits. Everything from entire industries moving to working from home overnight, you know, in March to a chaotic election season to the Black Lives Matter movement to, of course, the devastating impact of COVID 19 and the sobering loss of life. So, today we want to ask you some questions about what we've learned in 2020 and what you anticipate coming in 2021. So if you have your crystal ball, that would be that would be great right now. But so let's just start with you know talking about how 2020 forced nonprofits to get creative and to learn how to pivot in the online space. 2020 forced many to go through digital transformation overnight across programming, management and fundraising. Events were canceled, everything went online, everybody learned how to zoom, right? So what do you think of, of these changes and of moving to the digital space and having to really embrace it like with, a, with both arms? What do you think are the most critical lessons to be learned as we look toward 2021? Yeah, you know, I think one of the, the silver linings that we've really seen is nonprofits committing to listen better to their donors. And so I think when this whole thing happened, we, we had a lot of questions around, should I even be asking for money right now? Like, what, what are my donors thinking? Do they still care about my cause? And I think that sort of raised this other existential question of, why don't we already know what our donors are thinking? Or why don't we have an open line of communication with our donors already, right? And so I think that's been really great. We've seen a lot of nonprofits pivot in 2020 to really listening to donors and trying to build better relationships because you can't, you don't ask somebody for their money or your time or their time outside of a, a relationship. I mean, it's a very, very personal thing. And if you don't have that personal in, then generosity is never going to really happen at scale. 
And so I think that's been one of the biggest lessons learned from all of this is, gosh, you know, God forbid this happens again, but if and when it does, like, how do we listen better to our donors? How do we truly know where they are and what they need? And so that's been really important. I think the other important thing is nonprofits have have realized that their cause really does matter. So even in the midst of crisis, like even the the arts, like I, you know, I feel like I need a good symphony or opera right now more than I ever have yes. in my life, right? And so if you were doing important work before COVID and before the election and before, you know, civil unrest and social justice issues, like that work that you're doing is in some ways even more important now that you're able to keep it up. And so I think that was reassuring and reaffirming for a lot of orgs, especially we saw a lot of orgs that had an uptick in giving, even in areas that weren't exactly COVID related or, um, or social justice related just because people are more generous in crisis. And I think that was uh, really affirming for our industry in general. Now, you know, whether your gala worked or not, that's a different question altogether. And so those are the kind of things that went haywire. And I think we learned some good lessons there too. But there were, I think, a couple of really encouraging bright spots out of the whole thing. Absolutely. People are more generous in crisis. Isn't that interesting? So in 2020... Um, there's been, you know, a lot of people who this year, you know, you were just talking about they're, you know, they've been desperate to do something to help, you know, they would really love to go out and volunteer, but it's not safe to do so. So in that time, I mean, I think we're all this way, like when the world feels out of control, we want to control something. We want to do something to help things get better. And so people you know, wrote checks, people donated. I mean, I, I, I'll be so interested to see at the end of the year, you know, what the numbers were in comparison to, you know, 2019. But for a lot of people, for a lot of organizations, it was really an unexpectedly incredible year when it came to their their donations and their finances. And that's not true, per, poss- you know, possibly across the board, but for a lot of organizations, it is true. So what advice do you have for those organizations in that situation, as they look to 2021, like how do you build on that momentum when you're looking toward the future? Yeah, I think um, there's probably several things to keep in mind, but I think the first really goes back to what I was saying around um, being personal. I think there's um, an erosion of trust sort of in our, in our culture and globally people are, less trustful of big brands and large institutions. There's sort of an erosion of trust even with, with governments, believe it or not, if you've been watching the news lately. <laughs> you don't say. Trust is a, is a bit of an issue sort of globally for us. And, and it's the same thing with nonprofits. And so I think it's an acknowledgement of we have to, I was talking to somebody today and they said, you know, we want to figure out how to give our donors big bear hugs. And I think if we can figure out how to give big bear hugs at scale, meaning how do we really um, earn the trust of our donors in a very, very, very personal way. And I think if we can make that transition now, it, for the organizations that have been successful, it doesn't have to go back to normal. You, you've proven that you can retain the donors that you have, love on them, and then grow donors from new relationships by being hyper-personal and just doing the blocking and tackling and picking up the phone every once in a while. And yeah. so I don't think this is a this spike is a blip. I think it can be the new normal. 
but it does require a commitment to being massively personal and and earning trust at scale. That's great. And that reminds me of a quote that you've said before, which is generosity begets generosity. So how do you really cultivate that culture of generosity? You've talked about listening. You've talked about personalization. Like what else are those kind of building blocks of a culture of generosity? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of things around generosity against generosity. And and I like that quote because it sort of gets to the idea of any time in our lives we've been we've been giving given something amazing. Often our first response is how can I give back? Right. We had an experience a week ago where somebody, you know, I was desperate and went through Taco Bell with my kids and the person ahead of me in line paid for our Taco Bell. So immediately I pay for whoever's behind me in line at Taco Bell. There's just something magical about when you've been given to, you want to give again. And so I think that has to be top of mind for nonprofits in that they have to think about how they deliver value to their donors before asking. And so thinking deeply and carefully about what your donors want, like what makes their heart beat faster? What do they get excited about? What are they passionate about and delivering value around those things? And it's more than just, oh, I, I dumped a cheap tchotchke into a direct mail piece, but it's really thinking about how do I love on them and deliver value when those strings attach. And so I think that's a, and some organizations do that really well, but it's really hard to get to the bottom of that, but you can crack that nut. Like you can unlock a lot of new generosity. Um, The other thing that's related to it is for organizations, I think it's deeply important that we begin um, breaking down silos in organizations. And we saw this happen in some really cool ways during COVID. And so one example of this is we work with several organizations that have folks on their program team call donors every month. And so what, and they don't ask for money. They just say, thank you. Can I answer any questions for you? You know, and then they tell stories about the cool work the organization is doing. And that does two things. One is it, it makes generosity cultural across the whole organization. The fundraising team is not, not just like a necessary evil to do the good work we're doing, but now the donor is part of the cause. They're shoulder to shoulder with us and it shifts the culture of the organization. So related to that is is sort of breaking down the rest of the silo. So between program and marketing communications, between marketing communications and fundraising, like your communications and marketing team can't tell stories well if they don't have access to program, right? They, and, and even participating in program as much as possible. Your fundraising team can't be successful if they're not in lockstep with communications and marketing because if the donor's getting one message and some email blast, and then you're talking about something completely different, it seems disingenuous. And so I think that sort of dismantling of silos across organization lines, that's the second way that you begin to shorten the distance between the donor and the good that they're doing in the world. And so you're bringing the donor in very close by removing those silos. That's powerful. Love to hear any key things you see happening in 2021 that will impact nonprofits and fundraising. I'm thinking the new administration, obviously a COVID vaccine, people potentially starting to travel again, attend events again. Like what do you anticipate 2021 looking like? Of course, none of us really know, you know, caveat there, but what do you anticipate happening in 2021? And what are the implications for nonprofits and fundraising? Yeah, I wish I did have a crystal ball. 
um, it would be far easier. I think in some ways, um, the program teams at these nonprofits are just dying to get back to normal. They're really, really hoping for a vaccine soon. And that's because some of the programs like the health and human services organizations we work with doing amazing work. We work with an organization called uh, UMOM, United Methodist Outreach Ministries, a massive shelter right down the street. And doing program, my wife used to be a case manager at that shelter. And I can't imagine her doing program for families in need during COVID. It's horrible. And so, yeah. you know, I if I had a crystal ball and I could see, you know, a widespread vaccine early next year, that would be a game changer. And I certainly hope that's the case on the on the program side, because there's certain things that are in person on the program side that just aren't going to change. On the fundraising side, um, I think there aren't that many policy decisions, even with the, some of the new tax law. It's not like we saw a massive dip in giving around tax law. I think that there are potential policy decisions coming down that could affect things like donor advised funds or how fast that foundations are required to deploy capital, which could actually potentially create an influx of giving, of new giving uh, in 2021. Um, if the stock market stays up and people's wealth stays intact and there's some forcing functions to make them give back, that could be a really good thing for generosity. And so I'm hopeful for our space that that's the case. Um, I will say in terms of fundraising, I think that um, organizations do need to get educated on uh, donor advice funds and planned giving. We have a massive amount of aging wealth in this country, and a lot of them haven't thought about planned giving. And so that has to be a prong of your fundraising approach and understanding donor advice funds. And so, you know, let's say you've got a 30-year-old entrepreneur on your donor files giving you 100 bucks a month, but there's a big exit down the road. Well, you know, you should be courageous enough as a nonprofit to have that conversation about what is a donor advice fund and, and how do I protect some of my wealth from a tax purposes so I can give it away and give more away more generously. So I think those two are, if you're not having those conversations in your own property, you need to have them now. But I think um, more than anything, it just gets back to the first of our conversation is we're in a world that's hyper-personalized to us. We've seen um, platforms like GoFundMe um, raise a lot of money because it's so much easier to give to a family down the street that's hurting than it is to give to some big nameless, faceless organization, right? And so organizations have to acknowledge that's the way giving happens. And they have to be able to step in and create those kind of personal relationships. It's only that that trust breakdown that we talked about before is only going to widen. And so I think the organizations that flourish in 2021 and beyond are the ones that are able to create those relationships at scale, not just with major donors, but how do we get more personal with our, our rank and file folks on our, um, in our donor database? And that's kind of the cool thing about when everything becomes unpredictable and changes. Because if everything is sort of off the table, then everything is on the table. Like it's a great time to pivot. It really right. is. I mean, it's a great time to make changes that have historically felt too, too difficult, too... Um, too heavy, too complicated. You know, now expect there are no expectations. Like <laughs> expectations are out the window. So it's a great time to make change. Yeah. I, one of the, my favorite memes was, uh, you know, 
is a multiple choice question. What caused innovation at your organization? Your uh, executive director, your chief technology officer, or COVID, right? And everybody <laughs> checks COVID. It's a great driver innovation. And I, I would say don't, don't let the crisis go wasted, right? Yeah. This is a great opportunity to step back and say, what's going well, what's not going well. This is a great time to reset, to make even some hard decisions, but to put ourselves on a trajectory for flourishing for the next decade. And so now is a great wake up call and a great opportunity. And the good news is we're seeing organizations do that. It's been really, really exciting to see organizations that were just stuck in their ways. They weren't going to change and they were dying a slow death of a thousand cuts, right? Their, their donor retention was slightly worse than their new donor acquisition. And they were just losing 5% a year and scared to death to change. And, and COVID has been just a wake up call. And all of a sudden they're innovating. They're doing really cool stuff. They're, listening to their donors and they've, they've righted the ship, right? And that's incredibly exciting. So if that's not you, if that's not your organization, you know, my hope is that it would be, right? You, you just take this moment to step back and say, how can we do better? How can we do better? So beyond being CEO of Virtuous, you're also a board member. So mm-hmm. from that seat, what questions are you asking your nonprofits leaders as they look ahead? What role should the board play in these? Yeah, it's nonprofit boards are hard um, and they're hard because um, they're often filled with great business leaders who don't know much about fundraising, right? And so running a nonprofit in fundraising is a very different beast than, than the business world. And so the best board members are the ones that they listen, they're curious, they understand that it's a, it's a hard thing what these nonprofit leaders are trying to do. And they go out and learn a lot on their own so they can be helpful, but they're good listeners. I know the the organization that I'm on is probably similar to a lot of the organizations listening um, in that we're probably a little bit too major donor heavy and mid and low tier donor light. And I think that's great. Having huge donors write big checks is a massive blessing. Um, but it also creates volatility. You can't, if you want to make a predictable, sustainable difference in the world, you have to have predictable, sustainable revenue. And you don't get predictable, sustainable revenue from one-off big checks. You get predictable, sustainable revenue from an army of several thousand donors giving you a hundred bucks a month, right? Because they don't go away and a couple of them drop and it doesn't hurt budget and it's great. And so really what I'm working through as a board member with that organization is you know, how do we go out and create like monthly giving products that deliver value to the donor, but help them engage to give us a hundred bucks a month for the next 10 years. And that solves two problems, predictable, sustainable revenue, which is amazing, but it also creates an army of advocates for your cause. That major donor that you just got, yeah, he'll tell his friends and family and a few of his friends may be rich and they may give you big money too which is great, but there's nothing like an army of several thousand donors who just won't shut up about your cause that are out in the community that care about what you're doing, that want to make a difference. And so I think that fundamental shift, I know um, Victoria Harrison, co-founder of Charity Water, recently spoke at our summit. She's an all-star, but she has a, a new class she's offering for monthly giving products to kind of talk about how Charity Water made this switch. And my gosh, if you can pull this off, it's, it's just so powerful. 
That's great. Which yeah. is more than just the question you asked about the board, but that's that's top of mind for my board seat right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've never seen a year like 2020 in our lifetimes. I think we can all <laughs> agree on that. And that's really true for everyone. But let's let's speak specifically to nonprofit leaders right now. So as they look ahead to 2021, as they look to plan and lead, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I think one thing that Noah, who we both know, has said, and he probably took this from somebody else, but plan out your strategy, but do it with a pencil and not a pen, right? Just know that that things aren't necessarily going to stop changing, but it doesn't mean that you have to you you have to strategize. Just hold those plans loosely and do it with a pencil and start executing. So the second part is what I just said is start executing, right? You can't. waiting for it to be over is not the right solution. So as a nonprofit leader, you have to be courageous enough to act now to make strategy changes, to make fundraising changes, to make make program changes today. Like just um, putting your head in the sand and waiting for it to be over is not a viable option right now. And so act. And I would also say it's helpful, like in my world, you create um, sort of a best case plan and a worst case plan. And then you think carefully about your expenses, your staff to know that you can get to that worst case plan if you need to. And you know what that looks like. And then line up your staff around that best case plan. We use, sometimes they're called OKRs, objectives and key results, or um, there's a book called Traction that uses a concept called rocks, but basically they're just big goals for your team. So um, a lot of nonprofit organizations use these big goals that they want to accomplish either on program or fundraising or donor retention, and they set them out quarterly, right? So we know this quarter we want to improve donor retention by 5%. We know this quarter we want to expand program this way. But then knowing that we're in a changing world, reevaluating those big OKRs quarterly and saying, how do we do? Are we measuring the right thing that really measures impact for us? And how do we need to reset our goals for the next quarter in order to succeed? And I think in our changing world, that quarterly cadence of setting big, hairy, audacious goals and then having the permission to reset those goals quarterly is a really healthy way to approach 2021. Absolutely. I've got my pencil. I hope you do too. <laughs> ready, ready to move forward strategy. Thank you, Gabe, for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Responsive Fundraising Podcast by Virtuous. Each episode we've designed to really give you the insights into the philosophy, process, and playbook of leading nonprofits so that you can grow giving and build deeper relationships with the people who matter most, your donors. And if you want to dig further into responsive fundraising, we've actually put together an exclusive content pack just for listeners of this podcast. If you go to virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, that's virtuouscrm.com slash podcast, you can download a content kit that includes the responsive fundraising blueprint, 
which outlines all of the strategies that are involved in implementing responsive fundraising. You'll also get the responsive fundraising playbook, which includes 20 plus plays, which are basically strategies that you can implement today at your nonprofit to become more responsive and ultimately raise retention and increase giving. We'll also throw in a bunch of other resources and content that is going to be helpful for you as you think about how you're applying responsive fundraising at your nonprofit. And it's completely free. You can grab that at virtuouscrm.com slash podcast. 